Listening to Inside Out with Turner and Seth. This is Turner. And this is Seth. <laughs> well, everybody, wow, we made it to episode three. I cannot believe it. And uh, well, actually, I can. But thank you for all the wonderful feedback. We really enjoy that people are listening and, and enjoying the show. Mm-hmm. We wish people, more people would not like it. But whatever the case may be, you can email us and give us feedback, and we will share it on the air, positive or negative. Don't be shy. Because as we've said before, we want to improve for you, the listener, and the only way we're going to do that is if you're honest with us. And that email is insideoutwtns at gmail.com. That's insideoutwtns at gmail.com. And we're on Twitter at insideoutwtns. Insideoutwtns. You can reach me personally at rstner at Twitter. And do you want to get us rstnerd? No, just rstner. And also ShimonPresents.com for the Work Exchange program. Does Work Exchange have its own? WorkExchangeTeam.com. If any of you folks are looking to volunteer at festivals and get you know, uh, you know, know, a little insight on the music business, this is a great way to do it. Yep. Seth's the man. A lot of people in the industry today who went through his program. So check it out. What's the best way to do that, to sign up if people want to work certain festivals? www.WorkExchangeTeam.com. You didn't buy wet, huh? Does the ocean have, like have a stranglehold on the wet.com? <laughs> Royalties are. Let's just say that, that. Let's just say that got washed out. No, let's not. <clears throat> Actually, let's not say that at all. Still rolling. God, you remember that time, Rob? <clears throat> Still waiting became the theme of the night. Uh, as Atlantic well as, City, New Jersey, as well as Mr. Turner. You may have seen Robert Turner at Atlantic City. What year was that? 2012, I believe. Uh huh, and uh. He was, the, he was the guy with the blow-up couch running through the, walking through the crowd in a bristful pace, yelling, still waiting. Because they had <clears throat> strung that refrain throughout the second set. Actually, the best version of Cross-Eyed and Painless I've seen since literally maybe that massive one in Florida at West Palm. Oh, yes. But yes. that, that uh, Atlantic yeah, City, I, that was probably the best thing I saw from Fish all year, that Cross-Eyed. That, that was, it was fantastic. And the walls. But there was the walls of the cave in that run. Still the only time I've seen that song live. That's the thing about that band, though. They have such a way of, uh, of, of having a, a depth of their audience in that sense where, you know, yeah, anyone that, that, that listens to Fish in a, in a religious way, some would say, or a... Uh, <laughs> or I a, you've got quite the habit away, or what? I don't know. Whatever people say. I mean, whatever. But you know, fish head to fish head here. If you listen to that show or you're at that show, you're gonna think of the West Palm show. And I was actually listening to the West Palm show the other night and thinking the the same. Th- I think that's part of the reason I am uh, kind of a bitch about antelope these days because that's one of like three or four antelopes in the 90s that I saw that were just mind-blowing. And when they just do the little freaking jam-by-numbers bullcrap when they play it now, I just don't get into it. There's been a couple. Just this year, there are a couple of good ones, but a lot of the antelopes are just like plop to me. Just... Well, you know, speaking of baseball cards on the last interview with Colonel Bruce Hampton, well, last part of the interview, um, you're right, you know, and for the Fish fans, or rather people that aren't Fish fans, one of the things that Fish fans are called by mostly their significant others are, my husband's doing his baseball card thing. What does that mean? I don't know, something with the band Fish. <laughs> something involving collecting things. 
<clears throat> and you know, as an adult, another interesting perspective of, of being an adult fish fan is your friends that are still fans and 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 fanatics, or just people called fanatics, or baseball card, or whatever the you know we're called. <clears throat> One of the interesting things is seeing how it affects marriages. And not just like in the first two years, but couples that have been married. You all, you, you all probably have couples that have been married for a significant amount of time. And, and you know, if you want to go see the band Fish, you don't typically, if you're a, a, someone that's been a fan for several years, you, you know, part of going to see Fish is going to see multiple dates. And as they have these tours with multiple destinations where you're going to go, as an adult, you know, it's a little bit expensive and it's also your time away and you're also now going to see fish and not do this with your kids or do this, you know, with your family. And, and you know, it, it, it's not as easy as it was when you were younger. Um, but, uh, but that's something that fish fans do and it's hard for people to understand. So thank you for listening to Fish Fans Anonymous. So we're going to, this episode, take a little window into my dork world like, like you, you always seem to like to hear what dorky music things I've been doing. Yes, that's right. Let's enter Rob's brain. Remember a few this week. Humphreys was in Aspen, Colorado. Wonderful webcast, especially Saturday night. We got big fat Jimmy Stewart in the middle of a Derby Luton cap, brah, and Mad Love. And they busted out Groove Homes, brah, and they covered pumpkins. Great show. The whole weekend was great. It's this tiny little room, though. It's weird seeing that light show and the band all packed in when they're playing in Aspen. Now, John Oates, it's the belly up. John Oates owned that room. Why is he often sitting in with people? Is he an owner or is he just a local? Do you know the deal on that? I do not. You do not. A big shout out to Brad Serling, too, uh, and Nugs Net, because I'm not a big downloader. I don't really have space on any of this stuff. I kind of just listen to my own collection. You're an uploader? Uh, Well, it depends. Hey, by the way, uh, I never forget when I told my mother I downloaded something. She goes, and why did it upset you? I go, what are you talking about? You said download. That's great. That's the last we'll be hearing from her, but we love <laughs> Seth's mother, but um, unless she wants to be a co-host. But anyway, so Brad Sterling does this great show because Brad, who also just got some great press from his, he sells the recordings of the shows. Initially started with Fish, the 2002 New Year's run, and um, they saw they could make a bunch of money. Now a bunch of the other bands are doing it, including Metallica and Bruce Springsteen. He's the Nugs.net guy. And on Sirius Jam On, he does a show on Fridays called The Weekly Live Stash. And you can hear stuff that just happened like he played last week, uh, Disco Biscuits with Tom Hamilton sitting in. I guess they covered Scarlet Begonias down at the festival in Florida. Sounded pretty good. That, was, that made a lot of air this week. I noticed that on the uh, old social media streams. And Brad Sterling, as much as I love you, you you're a little too heavy on the covers, dude. Little too heavy on the covers. But like the emission cover, like at the no, show. No, he'll play. He'll play a band if they have a good cover. He'll play it, even if there are glaring better examples from a show. The guy has got such a a, a thing, a bulge for covers. So like, uh, it's the only taint on the show. If Lettuce was to do a Talking Head song on Jam Cruise, that probably would make the show. Exactly. Like here, um, well, this which, is a good. They the, did, by the, the way, Phil Lesh and Friends Let It Rain. Phil Lesh and Friends did a thirteen minute Let It Rain in the Capitol. Do you know that Let It Rain? It's from Clapton's first solo album. It's a wonderful song. And they tore the crap out of it. Now, that's one you put on there. But like when Mo was here. In Atlanta? Yeah. Remember that, that night when Ivan sat in in the first set? Uh, I was not in town for that. It was on. Okay, well, they ended the first set with a fantastic rec chem. And I apologize just for points of the point I'm trying to make. They did it like an okay version of uh, Can't You Hear Me Knocking? Kind of a messy version if you listen to it. 
But friggin' Serling, since it's the cover, that's what he puts on there. Instead of this killer wreck cam that's a Mo original. But whatever, I still love the show, and I love that he supports musicians and gets money in their pockets. They've done a lot. Actually, I think that Nugs not... So I remember uh, Fish... Um, Got him app, started. Well, hold on, the Fish app last year uh, launched this whole like pay program where yes. you can you know listen to any of their catalog. Now, this, this is their second year now. Yeah, <clears throat> but it, it came out through the folks of Nugs.net, which I thought was interesting because Nugs.net is like has this catalog of shows now because they've been doing stuff for years for bands. And I was like, why? Why am I just doing this with Fish? Like, I would like that. I'd like the access on like something like Nugs.net. Now they have that. And, oh, there's a Nugs.net app? Yeah. And where you can pay to get at their archive? I didn't even know this. If, I'm, if I understand it correctly, that's, I'm pretty certain about but that. But is it limited, what's available? I, I, I don't know. Before I plop cash down, I got to know a little more. Got to yeah, know listen, a little more. I'm, I'm, I don't know all the details. I just, I've heard of this, and it's something that would probably make a lot of sense to research before I talked about it on our show. But, you know, here, here we are on the on It's the improvisation, brah. And this is what jazz is all about, man. So, anyways... That's just a little bit of a window into my world. I'd also like to mention Saturday night was one of those sports music nights. Oh, good. So Saturday night was a night for fighting. Well, it was the night I was supposed to come over to your house, and I didn't make it over. I got kind of lost in basketball. It's healthy for you because I was, uh, my wife You were get, I, just getting sick. You were just, yeah. You were incubating? Is that the? Uh, I don't know. We were spreading. You were petri dishing? Anyway, so watch this uh, killer basketball game. I think that night was Providence, North Carolina, and then zipped over to aisle five, and there's this little local band of ours called Voodoo Visionary, who I hadn't, I hadn't seen in a while, and they have added a horn section and this other female singer, and wow, Friggers knocked me out. Horn section, huh? That, where were we just talking about horn sections with some of our uh, recent interviews? Yes. Um, because that's something that, uh, as you'll hear, that uh, it's something that's really, well, not just grab you, but there's a resurgence of horny bands. I mean, from, you know, Lettuce, Yes. To uh, Galactic. Galact- well, you've got bands like that, but then you got stuff like uh, who is here? Uh, Charles Bradley, like the soul stuff. Yes. You got Derek Trucks band going into you know that TTB. That, yeah, the, but it's, yeah, it's not Derek anymore. And now that Susan and Tedetsky, and now you got the the horns are key to their sound. Absolutely, they definitely are, definitely are. And, and so you're seeing this in a wide range of of, of music right now, where horns are taking uh, taking a, a big presence on it, and. I love that. I mean, you know, I mean, I think I probably mentioned on another show or before, maybe one that we threw in the way. <laughs> but, um, you know. One that hit the cutting room floor, you, oh, you say. Dude, I go back to MJ, you know, like that tight, just horns with those horns just pop up and they're just like, you know, just like, like a boxer comes to your face and just, you know, and just, just like, what is that, you know? The resurgence of that, I, th- I think, is incredible. Do you like lush horn arrangements at all? Can I, can I recommend something to you? Yes, absolutely. It is a CD, I think from 1960, 1961, called Stolen Moments by Oliver Nelson. Absolutely wonderful horn arrangements. Some of the best you'll ever hear in your life. I also wanted to, uh, there's a David Bowie tribute tomorrow night I'm going to. I'll oh, here in back. Atlanta. Yep, in Terminal West. But have you heard of a term, actually, if you've read Dean Budnick's book, you, You've heard of these terms because he liked them so much he, he used them in his book. Shoverwhelmed and Bonnarugled. Have you heard of these terms? These are my terms, dude. Whoa, wait a second. Do we have a new segment called Rob's Terms? And this week, we're going to learn about another Rob term. Another thing that hit the cutting room floor is another term of mine. Oh, no, uh, this, is, this is serious. I would like to know your terms. The, the state of being shoverwhelmed is when there's too many options going on in a city at any given time. For example... Friday, April 1st, here in Atlanta, Georgia, we have Dr. Dog at the Buckhead Theater. 
G-Love and Special Sauce at the Variety. Now, I've been, I've been going through my collection and purging, and I've come across some G-Love recordings that are pretty good. So I'm kind of curious to see them. I haven't seen them in like 15 years, so that's tempting. The rap going to see G-Love? No, I don't know when I'm going to, because there's also at Venkman's, and I've been looking for an excuse to go to Venkman's. Uh, you do. Uh, this Saturday, uh, Grant Green Jr. Band. Well, last Saturday or whatever Saturday it is coming up, just minus the week. Whatever Saturday's coming up, Grant Green's playing there, so that no, must be a residency I'm of some our sort. our listeners, man. Our listeners could possibly be like listening to this a month from now or four years from now. So I want them to understand the basic division or you know to subtraction, the mathematical equation to understand reference to what we're talking about. So when I say Grant Green is playing this Saturday, that I'm saying he's going to be playing March 26, 2016. So whatever date you are today, just do the math. Ridiculously overexplained. <laughs> well, Have you heard of the David Mayfield Parade? Have you heard of the David Mayfield Parade? I heard of the David Gayfield Parade. No, stop it. Seriously. No, I haven't. You got to avoid the low-hanging fruit. Oh, Seriously. Well, hey. I know it's low and it's easy to grab, but you got to realize a lot of other people saw the fruit and chose not to grab it. Anyways, they're really good. They're from the TRI good days. They're kind of like a funky, goofy acoustic trio, and they throw down hard, man. I, I, don't, I don't know what to go. And then you even, if for the classic rockers, uh, our, classic symphony, rock. our symphony hall is hosting America. America. Like Neil Diamond, horse, America. No, Horse With No Today. Name. Horse With No Name, America. I got a horse with and no I've been name. You know, that song always reminds me of that God movie with George Burns. George Burns made one hell of a God. Seriously, what other, I mean, that is like the, Best casting I've ever seen in my life. He also, I heard as a stand-up, could get away with saying anything. Like when they had the roast, like no, nobody would get mad at anything George How could said. you? He's the most elegant man of all time. He could say anything and then just throw that little smirk and he's adorable. He could, he could tell you to go to hell and give you the smirk and you'd want to hug him. You know, I think now, I, I just had an epiphany. Another one? Yeah. Man, it, you're like Johnny just, Epiphany tonight. It's not just growing up in South Florida that made me an 80-year-old man and a... Well, now in a 36-year-old body, well, actually, I am going to be 39, but I like to say I have a 36-year-old body. I don't understand what I was saying there. but <laughs> No, we understood exactly what you were saying. We just didn't agree with it. We kind of glanced at your body. <laughs> uh, so, so as a kid growing up, I grew up in Fort Lauderdale. And so, you know, that's where you'd think that I got my uh, 80-year-old personality and humor, mainly the humor, at Temple, I'm sure. Some of you would say, some of you would say, South Florida. I think it's a mixture of that. And my grandparents were all of that generation. They were the George Burns generation. My, grand, my parents, uh, you know, had me a little older, okay? And, um, and so I was mixed between, you know, the 80-year-olds I'm hanging out with at dinner or at Temple or in the neighborhood or, you know. <laughs> Just cutting-edge comedy right there. <laughs> No wonder everybody cracks up like a madman every time you drop a pun. And then I see George Burns, and he got away with it. I mean, he could, he could be like, you know, anything. I'm a mix between George, George Burns and Rodney Dangerfield. I'm like a polite Rodney Dangerfield. Wow. That's, uh, I get a little respect. Self-congratulatory. A little respect. So, oh, hey. <laughs> hey now. Uh, so back to, I'm sorry, back to your no, point. I'd like then, to, I, I'm excited to review this review uh, because we have a special one this week. So, we do. Do we have theme music? Yes, we, we do. do. We do. Cue it on the review when I say... 
Reviewing the reviewers. I wrote a review. A review of you. So now someone else is on the pill. Is gonna review my review. The review of the review. Okay, this week's article comes from uh, timeout.com. And it's titled, The Eight Most Annoying Cult Band Followings in America. Uh, wait, hold on a second. Should we read this this week or should we go ahead and take emails? And everyone can guess. Well, no, they could do the research. Okay, go on. Yeah, it's called looking it up. <laughs> if you want to do a trivia thing, you want to do Google-proof <laughs> trivia like our regular guys used to do here in Atlanta. And I could write a good Google-proof trivia. Okay, so I'm going to read his descriptions because I don't really think he says sometimes anything about why these bands are annoying. And he misses the elephant in the room in so many of these <laughs> bands. See? He misses it. All right, Fish originally formed. This is his explanation of why Fish is the number one most annoying band. Number one annoying uh, band. Annoying fan base. Annoying fan base. Because, oh, wait a second. We just talked about that. Because it goes. Fish originally formed in the super liberal town of Burlington, Vermont in 1983. That there's Bernie country and has been the subject of an incredibly obnoxious following ever since. Some of the most loyal fish heads spend more time chasing the band across the country than they do with their own families, though they might say that their fellow fans are, in fact, their, quote, PH family, end quote, end parentheses. Seeing the same jam band... Seeing the same band jam out to what is virtually the same set of songs a few times is perfectly understandable. Um, (laughs) Virtually the same set of songs. Who wrote this? Wait, wait a second. This, this gentleman, virtu- hold on a second. And it's this all in good fun. I love... No, who wrote this? Uh, it is from timeout.com. The author's name is... Wait, I thought we don't oh, say Oh, it's it one of those where they put it... No, nah, I don't see it. Oh, Clayton Goose. Staff writer at timeout. So that, that's Anybody, the- Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> yes, the same. That's what they do. They play the same set of songs every night. That's, that's called not having knowledge of what you're making fun of. This guy, but 50 this guy, times... Hold on a second. This guy basically sounds just like every friend of mine who's got a wife that doesn't particularly like fish. And they think it's like the bands they see mm-hmm. where it's the same show every night. You're going to, I don't understand. Why are you spending all of your retirement fund to go to, to the gorge? What is the gorge? You really? I mean, you don't take me. You wouldn't take me and the kids to the Great Grand Canyon. No, no, no. But you're going to go to the gorge and you're going to be with those kids from college? Why do I always turn into a Jewish woman? I don't understand. But, you know, I mean, that's a... <laughs> so here's his last line. Guys, there are plenty of other fish in the... Okay, oh, we're not no. doing that. So he stops himself from the ridiculous. But, but really, he he's not said he anything about... He could have been creative, though. He could have he said it. Okay, we're not doing that. See? S-I, like Spanish. Like, yes? Okay, we're not doing that. Yes? You see? That could have been funny. See? I still wouldn't have liked it. And mm-hmm. I don't really think, see, he said anything obnoxious here. Now, what, now, what are the obnoxious things about fish fans that he misses? Fish First fans. of all, anytime they play quietly, the place erupts in conversation these days. What is that? That's obnoxious. This guy doesn't put that in there. Uh, the uh, co- uh, celebrating, over-celebrating of a bunch of vamps written on Halloween when the Halloween before they run a bunch of actual new songs and the bands hated on it. That's obnoxious. What like, else? Well, what? I could tell you that, you know, to, to some of the folks I know, especially anyone that I hung out with this summer, uh, a lot of my friends and our significant others get really annoyed that you're really talking to your high school friends still about that band, about what they did last night, and then you're listening to it. I thought you have work to do. Why are you talking? You're doing research. Every day you listen to that band from the night before, and then you talk and you have five different conversations, the same conversation with five different people. Why don't you guys just get on three-way or maybe five-way if you're going to talk to that many people about the same fucking thing? And really, you're listening to the shows every night. I don't understand. 
understand what the fuck's wrong with you. And you've got kids to take care of, and you've got laundry to do, and kitchen to the dishes. And I mean, these are things totally that I Totally noxious. Read, the guy but... doesn't even broach that subject. All of that. The guy didn't even not one part of it. He completely missed the boat. Moving on. The next band is Bass Nectar. And this is Lauren Ashton. Better known as his EDM stage name, Bass Nectar photo used is of not him but of an of crowd like a bunch of folks on the rail it looks like and two then, chicks are getting thrown out of the festival they, actually or thrown out of the in between they're definitely being but they could be escorted because because look behind them there's a kid uh, looks like a kid so maybe that was like all right you know the first song's over because, I know, is, is is it the same with for photographers we'll, ask, ask, we'll have to ask our photographer friends next time we see them if at like a bass nectar show no because they get the pit access the whole time it's not just you know, if you only you only have the first two songs. How would they know? You have to be escorted. You're not like, is this? Are we in the second song? I mean, so people would say the same thing about Fish too. I appreciate you staying on point. His stage name, Bass Nectar, has become beloved by dub. Oh, his stage name is Bass Nectar, and he has become beloved by dubstep fans over the past decade for his face melting beats and incredible light shows. A Bass Nectar show is basically a utopia for people who have a whole mess of MDMA in their blood. And the experience is so compelling that it leads thousands of diehard bass heads to cross the country looking to sweat on one another. Or get in the front row. Now, I understand MDMA is part of it, some of these kids, but they're, they're, I know people who are sober that like bass nectar. There's a whole, actually, it's so funny. I, was, I, I saw an article the other day that was talking about an um, EDM show, a festival, like a whole like night party type thing. Um, very popular, but no one's drinking. At the club. No, there's no alcohol at all. Oh, clubs hate that. Well, of course. And I'm like, I can imagine being the promoter. Like, that's an expensive show because you're paying all the talent, but you have, if you don't, if you're doing anything outside of the door and you have any deal with the bar, you own the bar as well, which is only double your smart water prices. You get my point, though. It's just a. It's not the ideal bar scene. Yeah. Okay. So they, they make a lot of money on that booze. That the boo booze is what pays the bands. Bass nectar is certainly different than most EDM, but it's hard to understand the evangelical devotion from Ashton's core fan base. Their get-up alone is enough to make anyone with an ounce of taste squirm, but it's really the hordes of bass heads who drunkenly spill and scream through cities across the country that's truly gross. So that's basically the only annoying thing he really says, that they drunkenly spill and scream, which sounds like any fan base that's likely to happen. So there's nothing really specific to the bass nectar fan base. The, well, and what you, what he should, I'm, going, he, I'm going back to Athens, Georgia, when he would uh, open up for the Disco Biscuits. I mean, and one of the things about... What he, Camp, Camp Bisco, this happened too, right? Well, this, this is way before that time. I'm talking like when he was just, you know, cutting his teeth, but, you know, way back in 2000 and something. I mean, like 2008, 2006, I don't remember, somewhere around there. Um, and, and, you know, ultimately, I remember going back to 96 and looking at bands like the Disco Biscuits and seeing this potential for uh, like the crowd that that is and the crowd that well whatever the electronic electronic music was at that point it wasn't labeled EDM but the dance music and what they're doing and Sector 9 was doing with like the jam crowd that both crowds were the same you know maybe different clothes but i true ideology wise they were the same you know, very much similar in the drugs they were doing and the way that their social and you know social hangs were, what they like to do to party, what they like to do to hang, what they 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 read and knowledge and all this sort of stuff. So there's such some similarities. So you know, and then to see it grow and kind of take you know he he comes in and takes takes this on. It's kind of it's kind of neat. So there's a lot of similarity. Um, but sticking to how the fan base is obnoxious. Um, can you tell the story about Camp Bisco where the, he was performing before? The biscuits and did oh, their fans yeah last turn their, year 
last year. Uh, the, I mean, and I wasn't there to witness it, but several were. And basically, uh, a lot of the uh, folks that run to the front of the rail, you know, the front front of the stage, they call it the rail. Um, several the base nectar fans, the base heads, ran you know there in the morning, and they camped out all day. And they, you know, anytime, anytime, you know, any band was playing, they would not really be interested in what it, maybe it was like. Literally, you said turn their backs to them. So the, yeah, because they're sitting and the bands are playing and they're sitting. So now you have this gap between the audience of the festival and then the few rows going into the front, which are all there for the headliner that night, but not there for all the other bands. So they're not really paying attention because they don't care so much. And then it just it kind of affects the whole vibe in the. Of the show, I would think. For Way more obnoxious than anything Clayton has mentioned here. And if I may admit, this is Bass Nectar himself, but there was one time there was uh, that Langerado was at the Big Cypress. Do you remember this? Well, and the storm was coming in? And he basically announced that a storm was coming and frightened his fans. Do you remember that? It almost incited a riot. But uh, he was very young then. He's not like that anymore. The next band is Radiohead. And this, I gotta say... Uh, this I would disagree because I don't really find anything obnoxious about Radiohead fans. I think they're uh, one of my most admired fan bases in music today. But what this gentleman says is there are Radiohead fans and then there are the Radiohead fans who claim to be original and love them before 94. Okay, that's always the people who claim the early thing are obnoxious. That's Excuse right. me a second. The latter group will claim often that their understanding of for Tom York's moaning is unprecedented, perhaps due to a copy of Manic Hedgehog that they found back in, in the back of a record shop that's been closed for 15 years. The band's upcoming world tour and current level of popularity draws ire from the group's most devoted followers, who are pretty much the worst kind of hipsters the country has to offer. I say completely the opposite. I say I've been to Radiohead in arenas where they are playing quiet, and people are shutting up and listening to every freaking note. I say Radiohead has the best kind of hipsters, hipsters in their fan base. But moving along, we go Wait, to no, no, that's a, we go to the one closest to my. That's heart. a good point. Thank you. But now they go on Grateful Dead, and they have like three sentences, as though is that Nick, as though there's is who Nick? Oh, in the picture, looks just like Nick. Huh? Nick who? Johnson. Oh, our Nick, <laughs> who a future guest on our show. No, but he wouldn't be caught dead at Grateful Dead. I don't think. Grateful Dead did their final shows last summer in Chicago and San Francisco with Fish's Trey Anastasio filling in for the late Jerry Garcia. But it's, but it's worth noting how truly obnoxious their fan base is. Deadheads from across the country flooded into, into the, the pair cities looking for a miracle ticket last summer, bringing with them a strange eye-roll-worthy attempt to rekindle the spirit of the 60s. That's nothing. Okay, second. Do you, do you want me to get started on how obnoxious deadheads are? I don't, I don't think this article is titled properly. I think he's just trying to say, like, these are a couple things that I find annoying of this last summer. You mean it's too recent, too recent oriented? I think, I don't, I think, you know. Because you want obnoxious stuff about deadheads? This how- isn't, this isn't giving, this isn't the me, this isn't, uh, no, an insider look into it. This is literally just, I'm going to write about a couple different bands. It's like and- somebody who just got a writing job and is trying to do a, a shocking first entry. But anyways, the deadheads, what about like uh, entitlement to soundboards? You know? How would this person ever know any of that? He's not talking to that audience. Well, the... Okay, then we move on to Jimmy Buffett. It's always good to have a good wingman. <laughs> Moving on to Jimmy Buffett. For some inexplicable reason... Do not reason, say anything rude about Jimmy Buffett. Who, by the way, how, who would have known? We learned on a, the interview with Colonel Bruce that he was from... Mobile, Alabama. If you can tell us where you... Nah, you're right. They could do the Google research. Yeah. God damn it, Google. Uh, so yeah, no prizes on that one, folks. But Rob, Alabama. 
Yep, he's from Mobile, Alabama. But this article says, for some inexplicable reason, white men who came of age in the late 70s and early 80s go, jump. go bananas over Jimmy Buffett. His kitschy hits like Margaritaville and Cheeseburger in Paradise were so successful that the musician was able to spin them both into themed restaurant chains. Welcome to America. His country yet poppy American tunes are pretty cringeworthy, but the number of Tommy Bahama shirts in the crowd at any one of his shows is enough to induce vomit. Wait a second. You're now, Blake, you didn't even make it to the fucking tiki bars? All you saw are the fucking shirts? This guy didn't. Yeah. You're doing research? I mean, come on. You, you can't just get wasted off the shirts. Now, however, let me tell you something. Those fans, are, it is an uh, I, I worked a show once. I was doing a promotional thing, and it was fun. And it was, a, you know, so then, you know, everyone's in the audience. The band starts, and the rest of the people come in the audience and um, come come into the show. And then, of course, you have that that woman who's just so drunk that she can't even make it into the venue. Oof! Uh, I know, but wow. it's it, it is entertaining though. Because you know she's like a lawyer or like a day-to-day, and she's just let and loose. I don't get and that getting inebriated before the show thing. Not, I really I'm don't. A, too much, you know? Too much is too much. But I'm, all the Buffett fans seem to do it. But also, you know, the line that he used in The Fish, she, she should have used in here about seeing the same shows over and over again. Because I don't think Buffett's, you know, deviating the sentence all that much. Yet these people go again and again and again and again and again. I don't think people go on Buffett tour unless they have the margarita um, bar, the tiki bar. Here's a little secret on Jimmy Buffett. Shh, secret time from Rob Turner. His sea stories. Hold on, hold on. He writes. Hold on. Uh, I want to make sure we have theme? the. No. We need <laughs> the listeners to listen. Need music for this? Well, I think if they're listening this far, they're probably in a trance. So yeah, I want to no. bring them back. Or they're just waiting on the colonel thing. And now, another story by Mr. Glory, Rob Turner. The secret. Pay attention. Are you listening? Are you listening? Okay. I forgot what I was saying. Now. <laughs> Let's move on to Insane Clown Posse. That was pretty insane, man. This one is fun. Okay. There's really no good way to describe juggalos, the term used to refer to ICP's following. These people are terrifying. They love the terrible soft drink Fago. Uh, any soft drink is terrible, isn't it really? Oh, except you gotta Coca-Cola. have funga. Except Coca-Cola. You gotta have funga. Coca-Cola is, is good for Atlanta. Funga. Gotta have funga. You gotta have funga. It's a lot of funga if you drink funga. I'm a funga. Oh, Fanta. Fucking Fago. son of a bitch. Fago. Fanta. They drink Fagos. You got to drink. Bunch of Fago Fanta. drinkers. Fanta. Bunch <laughs> of Fago drinkers. W-F-A-G-O. And they dress in a sort... Don't get, don't get Grumpy Gus mad. Oh, no. I don't want to get him mad. And they dress in a sort of garb that looks like a mix between the outfits worn in The Purge and Krusty Street Punks. This guy keeps trying to be funny, and I don't really find him all that funny. Have you seen him? But here's the deal. Insane Clown Posse's music isn't that great, but the Juggalo lifestyle is beyond music. There's an annual gathering of the Juggalos, a festival that draws more than 100,000 fans who seem to really, really dislike civilization and everything that comes with it. Elephant in the room. They often have guests at this festival, and those guests get, like, pummeled with stuff. How, what is more obnoxious of a fan base than they throw crap at their guests at a festival? They, they, you know, a fish play there, they probably throw fuego at them. So this guy's pretty much 0 for 7. <laughs> oh, this writer has a, a batting average me, similar sorry. to Seth's pun average. <laughs> oh, I and felt finally, Dave Matthews Band. Uh, if they, I'm just telling you right now, I am going to be very upset if they bring down Coffin. But you know I have a Dave Matthews story. Oh, do you? That goes along with this quite well. Well, then leave it to Rob for another No, segment. no, no, I'm reading this first. I'm reading this first. <laughs> I got to read Clayton's words because they're so, they're so <laughs> prescient. Prescient? And There's something like, pre- they're prescient-y. It's so prescient. 
Dave, in quotes, was a god for frat bros in the 90s and aughts. Heck, the band's tunes can still be heard on college campuses across the country. Dave Matthews' band's rhythm section isn't bad at all, but Matthews' moaning vocals are tr- truly terrible. Of all things to rag on of Dave Matthews' voice? Really? Not the simplistic jamming stuff? Uh, let's see. None of the, nevertheless, DMB bros flock to his shows like iron to Sup, a magnet. Sup, when, when terrible Sup, taste and questionable Sup, behavior in tow. It's hard to believe that the band is still a thing, but somehow they've managed to remain relevant for 25 years. I think the guy writes great songs. I'm no big Matthews fan. I don't. If, it, he has to have a good opener for me to consider going. There's a reason why he writes great songs. There's a reason why people are still listening to it. some of his music, right? Some other the other musicians that came out in that same era probably lit on classic rock now instead of mainstream college radio. Whereas he is actually on mainstream college radio now. As we get older, he's still with us and a part of our, you know, world. You know, uh, but you don't, you know, you expect him to go on tour or another musician. And it's like, yeah, I remember that arena band. I'm going. And your kids are like, huh? What, daddy? Okay, that's so gross. But now, you know, with Dave, they'd be like, they'd want to go with you. You would want to take them. I sound like Casey Kasin because we're talking about Dave Matthews. And back to you, Rob, with America's top 20 reasons why people don't like this article. I'm not doing a goddamn death dedication coming out of an uptempo song. <laughs> Uh, anyways, um, so I decide whether or not to go to Dave Matthews based on the opening band. So back in 1999, when I was up in Boston, they did a couple nights with Bela Fleck and the Flecktones at the Worcester Centrum. So my buddy Dave and I decided to go check those shows out. Um, so I was going to the show. I actually went with my buddy Dave, who's out there. He was one of the five people who listened to the first show. <laughs> I did spit my wine right there. Just like that. No, but so they, you know, I go mainly because of the opener because not likes it nice and open. You got to stop. You got to <laughs> shut the fuck up and let me talk. Seriously. It's a give and take. Two people talking. You just keep dropping these great intros. No, you just keep grabbing low hanging fruit. <laughs> Remember, some people, it's hanging low because okay, people okay. have looked at it and chosen not to grab it. Hey, listen, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let it go. I'm going to so not clip it anymore. I'm so, really not <laughs> And back to you, Rob. So we went because Bela Fleck and the Flectones were opening. Because you know you're going to get them to sit in and all those guys in the Flectones elevate any stage they're on. So that's why we're there. But at one point in one of the shows, they started playing Satellite. And this girl, yeah, stay back. Stay away from that mic. And this girl in the seat behind us starts screaming and giggling and saying, oh, Satellite, Satellite, I love this song. I love the song. And then proceeds to talk about how she loves the song throughout the song. And let's say, now I like the song, but it was, I don't like it enough that I wasn't able to enjoy this. Like if this kind of thing happened at other bands that I like more, I'd be annoyed. But since it was Dave Matthews and I, and it's just Satellite, which I, isn't, I don't think is one of his better songs. It was just so hilarious to me that it made the show. That this chick, she was just too excited to talk about hearing the song. More excited to talk about hearing the song than actually listen to the song. This is 1999 too. Things have only gotten worse. Uh, I mean, if you're listening to this song, if you're listening to this podcast, and this rings... A bell inside of your mind. When your favorite song, the song you know most, comes on live in listen front of your it. face. Listen to it. Are you so excited that you don't want to listen to it? No, listen to it. And you to want it. to tell everybody here's, here's how a good it makes you feel. Here's a tip from a veteran. Listen to it while they're playing it, and then like there'll be an intermission or like the end of the show, and then you got the rest of your goddamn life to talk about it. Why would you have to talk about it while they're playing? Seriously. If that's you, please dial one 800 
667-1717. But seriously, with regard to the um, to this segment, we want you to send stuff in if you want us to review any reviews. And you can email us at insideoutwtns at gmail.com. That's insideoutwtns at gmail.com. And of course, online you can find us at the social media outlets at insideoutwtns. So Colonel, uh, letting me mention a few upcoming dates after that. He's playing Mobile, Alabama, which is where the movie was filmed, mm-hmm. also where Hank Aaron is from. Mm-hmm. Uh, the South Sounds Music and Arts Festival on April 8th. He's playing mm-hmm. Coming, Georgia, our jewel. It's a free show there. Uh, you know, though, I always, I always, I never oh, no. go to those shows because, you know, every time you're waiting and they're like, don't worry, the open is coming. I swear, the open is coming. No, what you're supposed to say is that <laughs> you go to the good old days. The coming women go there. It's my, oh, it's my favorite kind of women. Hey. My favorite kind of women. And then on April 15th in Memphis, Tennessee, Memphis. Lafayette's Music Room, and then Muscles, Muscle Shoals, Alabama. Oh, man. April 16th, playing at Champies. And then, fest- I know you love festivals. Seth, there's this great festival. It's, it's near Augusta. It's a town called Thompson, Georgia. That's where Blind Willie McTell was born. And the Blind Willie McTell Festival, Colonel, is playing on May 7th. And then, have you heard of this one in Steel? I have not heard, no. What about Steel, Alabama, um, Kuko Rocco Festival? <laughs> you ever heard of that? <laughs> C-U-K-O-R-A-K-K-O. <laughs> Kuko Rocco, Kuko Rocco, La Kuko Rocco. <laughs> and then Butler, Tennessee, May 20th and 21st, Hidden in the Hollow Festival. So I, I was just reading the festival ones, hoping that maybe Johnny Festival over there would know him, but you're just into giggling and wanting to start things over. <laughs> Anyways, we interviewed Colonel Bruce. Here's part two right here. Uh, Can't do that. No, leave it. Pay attention then. Music to me is, you know, it's a deep spiritual thing and, uh, I just, I see people use it as only the entertainment value. And uh, it's sort of sad to me. And just, uh, I mean, they'll pay any amount of money to go hear mediocrity. And we're just throwing mediocrity after mediocrity. We never hear the really greats. Or radio, too. Why don't they play Ray Charles one day? Count Basie, Duke Ellington, Igor Stravinsky. Just pump it to them beside this pavlum they play every day. I mean, God, it's unbelievable. I mean, country music, my God. 1968, I'd turn on the radio and I couldn't turn it off. You'd go from Johnny Cash to Waylon Jennings, you know, or a Hank Williams song, just all day. It was romantic. It was great. There was quality. Turn it on today, one out of every 73rd person is good, you know, or has quality, has tone, time, and the threat of vomit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just that, uh, and... Um, I mean, classical music never changes, but it's pretty damn dull. It's great music, but I don't want to go hear it anymore. You know, I want somebody maybe has a chance to dribble a basketball in the middle of it or just improv something or, you know, grab a shoe and throw it. But from my (laughs) perspective, it gets so frustrating at shows, uh, you know, when things get quiet or interesting, that seems to lose a lot of the audience. 
to me, Lose symphony, them. the classical, I'm getting into now because the even the people who aren't they're serious about what they're doing. Even the people who aren't into it keep their mouth shut, though. They, yeah, they, they just keep, you know, they, they take a nap the or music. something. I mean, uh, uh, what were you saying? Uh, uh, it's, it's just, I mean, music's like we don't pay attention to it anymore. And it's all valid, man. All of it. If it comes from a folk standpoint or a blues standpoint, there's only two types to me. And you extend it and you sophisticate it, but it has to have that emotional chord. You know, it has to have an emotional chord somewhere. And purity of, of intention. Yeah, purity and intention, which are missing to me. I, I just don't understand it. I don't, I, I mean, can you imagine going to one of those country, con I don't know what country they're from, you know? <laughs> Trump country. <laughs> I play, well, I play country music. I've never been sure which country, but, you know, I mean, it's just, it's, it's embarrassing. I don't get it. Chris Stapleton's pretty good. He's worth he's worth a check. I like him a lot. Yeah. yeah, there's got there's a couple few guys out there who are doing it. Yeah, but I mean I I don't know what happened. Was it the 1980s? Was it TV? Was it those things? Or maybe it's just uh, what happened. Yeah, you know, maybe it's just the what happens with time now. <laughs> you know you you've got you've got so many. It's compiling on top of each other now. So the, the you know all that all that there was was what there was. Now there's what there was, and there's what there is. Wow. So you've got a lot, a lot going on there. You know, Rolling, is a lot thicker. Rolling Stone had an article just recently about the Georgia satellites. And identified that as the song that um, brought guitar back to country. Apparently, really? so no, I don't know I if that's part of the bad or part of the good. I but bet Dan and Rick like to hear that. Yeah, I yeah. guess Dan Baird is is lives in Nashville now. Yeah, he's been in Nashville about thirty years. Yeah, you should you should look it up. It's a good article. Yeah, we we went to school together back when. You know, I used a lot younger, but I've known him for fifty years. It's funny and Rick Price, what a Mario the drummer and Rick Richards, what a great band, man. They had a run. Yeah, they still play Sweden quite a bit. I saw Rick Richards two months ago, and that's amazing. They've lasted forever. I'll tell you a good story. I was in Kansas, and they had just broken. I was in Kansas City, and I can't. I think I was doing a comedy thing, and they were playing. I knew the road manager, and he called me, and they just, you know, they were getting twenty grand a night. The record's number one or whatever, and the guy came out, and they put in the ad George and the Satellites. <laughs> And nobody came. <laughs> and it never said Georgia Satellite <laughs> anywhere. So they're, they're in this huge room, and there's not one ticket sold. Oh, Oof. Uh, A performer's Georgia, nightmare. George and the Satellites. <laughs> they want to forget that, I'm sure. They got yeah. paid. They didn't care. <laughs> I want to pick some more Atlanta experiences out of you. Sure. Did you really see Elvis at the Fox? How do you know that? 1959, yeah. My my aunt took me, and I can barely remember it. And I, I, I can't remember seeing him. I was 12. And, but but I was the, there. I was told I went, and I went. But I just, <laughs> that was the first show I ever went to. Did you remember people freaking out or women screaming, anything from it? it was just, I mean, it's 50 years ago for me, you know. I just, I can't, I can't remember anything. I remember we parked at the Georgian Terrace Hotel because it was a dime. That's the only thing I can remember. <laughs> it wasn't 50 cents or a quarter or whatever, 15 cents. So we walked a couple hundred yards for a dime. That's all I remember. And uh, God, I wish I could remember more about it. I wish I was two years older because I really didn't care, you know. I didn't, I didn't 
I didn't care if I was there. My first time I ever went to the Fox was um, you guys were opening for Whites or Panic. I think it was Matt Mundy's last show with you. 91 or something? Yeah, it was around Thanksgiving time? I yeah, think. probably or something, yeah. Where, where's Matt Mundy today? Matt's living and coming. He was, a, uh, I should say, a mandolinist and uh, multi-instrumentalist, mainly mandolin, right? Mandolin, yeah. He can do anything he wants, but uh, he's the, the best that ever lived, in my opinion. I don't think anybody's close, you know. And he was in ARU for two years? Two years, yeah. Yeah, he was scary, man. Does he still play? Yeah, he plays. He plays with his mom and grandmother a lot. And, uh, and, uh, in public? Know. Or just... I think they play up and coming. Yeah, I went and oh, saw him in public a couple times at Steve's Live Music. He playing with Curtis Jones. I went. And you know, they, they, I didn't realize Steve's Live Music is incoming. No, that's um, no. Oh. Good old days. Good old days. Okay. Owned by Steve Barryhill, okay. who's a big, huge music fan who used to live in town here. Got it. Because I, I, I was just assuming that a lot of a lot of bands that are you know up and coming perform there. Silence. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, I just showed you guys crickets do exist. Well, it's nice to Henny Youngman is back. Nice to have a little thick air once in a while. Hey, uh, while we're at that, uh, Atlanta, talk a little Zambi. Let's talk a little Zambi because well, he's the second fastest man in the world backwards, and he's come up with some great quotes. One is, "I left Pensacola because of the traffic, and I moved to Atlanta." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we can't, I can't let go too much of the great one. That's like leaving South Carolina for the peaches. <laughs> That's true. He was he was on Skylab and went backwards something like 13 Gs and would have been in Perth in 47 seconds had there not been a roof. <laughs> and a woman was teetering on the bridge in Florida, and he ran up to her and said, I can help you. And then he got the cat 20 minutes later and came back with it, you know. There's only one. <laughs> it's too different. It's my religion. I yeah. put no Zambies in front of me. No false Zambies. I can see Zambie on a clear day. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the Christmas concerts? The Zambie Fest? What were they called? Uh, Zambie Land. Zambie Land? That wasn't 50 years ago, Rob. He, no. He, he, he does have a, <coughs> a But that's when Zambie was at its most thick sometimes. <laughs> I remember he came through. He had a broken oh, leg. <laughs> And it was like Moses coming in the crowd just <laughs> screaming at him, and he came through. I, go, I do get to see him once a month. What's the chant you guys would do at the end of ARU shows a lot? Cheese frog, cheese frog. Can you do that? Cheese frog, cheese frog, sputtong, sputtong, milk. <laughs> cheese frog, cheese frog, sputtong, sputtong, milk. How long's it been? Been 15 years since you had leisure time. <laughs> And I'll tell you the secret of where we got it. It's a 1962 John Coltrane tape in Japan. And the interviewer says, do you ever get any leisure time? And he goes, it's been 15 years since I've had leisure time. <laughs> so <laughs> that's where it came from. Wow. You guys had a lot of little stuff like that, little things that you, kind of like Zappa-ish, where you had hand signals and you kind of each would know what the other did. We never knew what we were doing. <laughs> they, had, they had hand signals, but I don't. Th- I don't know if they meant anything other than like, kind of like uh, the three uh, Stooges, you know. <laughs> I have to say one thing: I'm the sort of the fan side representative on the show, and I have to point out because a lot of people who tape and document, who I treasure, they they get crap from venues and from people over the years. But Ron Kearns, 
If it was not for Ron Kearns, a great legendary taper and wonderful person right here in Atlanta, a lot of the footage in, in Basically Frightened and Wouldn't a lot of those shows would not have been captured at all. 70% would be gone, yeah. Mm. So he deserves props, and all people who document yeah. deserve props for yes. uh, preserving yeah. this music. Uh, we're good friends for 50 years, yeah. The Braves screwed him, though. He's really down on the Braves. You know about that, right? Oh, he got screwed. Oh, man, of course. Well, let me say this. There's been three stupid things on planet Earth that grade 100. One was the Seattle Super Bowl last year when you throw a ball in front of 24 people. You could catch it at any second. I was actually cool with that one. I'm a lifelong Patriots fan. <laughs> the second is Hitler invading Russia the winner, and the third is the Cobb County Braves. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Those are the three dumbest sayings that equal 100. Pete Carroll's a regular listener. I just want you to know. <laughs> Wait, I, well, I don't want to get in that. I'm, I'm, I think he was uh, he was taking one shot at having Russell Wilson be the MVP. That's probably I really do. He figures I'll either get a touchdown or it's incomplete and then run Falcon. I will never understand it as long as I listen. You got a running back who leads the NFL in falling one foot. He can do it. Yeah, he's just a, jump. He's a little tank. Foot. Game's over. You got yeah. four chances to go an inch. Let's take that chance. <laughs> and Malcolm Butler made the interception, but it was Brandon Browner picking the receiver that made the play happen. Right. I'm yeah, always true. quick to he point knows. that out. You know where he's from, West Alabama. You're talking about Butler. Malcolm Butler. Yes. Yeah. Name two people from West Alabama. You can't do it. Malcolm Butler. Yep. And, and Tommy Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> How do you know Tommy Aaron? He's a leads most career home runs with a brother. Right, he has yeah. nine and that has 755. That's funny, ma'am. West, oh, I got a good trivia question for you. Name two non-athletes from the University of Alabama who graduated there. Two non-athletes from the University of Alabama who graduated there. Yep. Well, Patterson Hood? Truman Capote. Oh, wow. And uh, Timothy Leary. Timothy Leary? Yeah. That. Smart. I did not know. couple smart lads. Good one. But the music, I'll be back to the 70s. Uh, well, we're taking it back now. We're going to go back to the 70s, 1970s. Atlanta, we never finished, but there was a place called the Uptown Cafe where Stevie Ray Vaughan played the summer of 77. Hmm. And the B-52s, they only knew three songs, and they would play them every night. <laughs> the set would only be 24 minutes exactly long every night. They know more than three now? Yeah, they're probably up there. Yeah, We've... probably 300 by now, but... Um, they would play there quite a bit. You've so. seen a lot of changes, though, the venues. I mean, we're going through a venue change right now in Atlanta. We talked about this here on the show a couple uh, on a pilot, I'm rather in our first episode. Uh, um, but, yeah, I mean, uh, you're seeing the city winery opening up now. you got Venkman's. you got more venues than you probably even heard of. Okay. Well, back then, you know, we had to drive 200 miles to each gig. There were no venues. We played black clubs the first three years, and it was nine years before I had a monitor. And that was at the Fillmore East. And I screamed when I said a word. I wonder, God, what's that? <laughs> Nine years before I had a monitor. How I mean, could you perform without hearing yourself? I, you don't know. I mean, you just hear the echo. You didn't know. I mean, it's what you did. There was no such thing as a monitor. Mm. And just, I mean, I remember Hendrix at the auditorium, and he had like 12 Marshall amps and sang through a voice of the theater PA. And the other cats back there just banging away. And it sounded fine then. I doubt if it would today. It was all brick building. Now, when you see Hendrix, is is the crowd in like a group 
state of shock? No, they did not know yet what it, you know, he didn't become popular until way after it. Same with Dwayne. You know, Dwayne never made any money, and the legend is he got paid for the Aretha section and was on his way to the bank. I think he had, you know, 500 bucks is the most he ever got paid. When wow. he got hit, he means he was killed he he was on his motorcycle. Any, yeah, he didn't have any any bread, and neither did Hendrix, so to speak, is what I've heard. And then the bassist, Barry Oakley, was killed in the same, pretty much... Within the same uh, mile, yeah. A year uh, to the day later? About about. Uh, 362 days, yeah. That's crazy. Oof-a. Yeah, and they were both quiet guys, great cats, man. And uh, they were on their, you know, I'd like to hear them now. It'd be unbelievable. They were just starting well, you know, you to kinda, hit it. You kind of kind of do hear them a little bit uh, uh, the, uh, through a musician named Derek Trucks. Oh, yeah. Yep. There's, there's something spooky going on there. <laughs> Sometimes it's a little... <laughs> So uh, yeah, back to the seventies. Uh, <clears throat> what about um, what was that? The, the there was a venue uh, near the Fox, actually. Oh, six eighty eight. Yeah. Oh, oh, I got to tell you a great story. <coughs> we got hired by Denny McLean, the Cy Young winner in sixty eight, and exactly across the street at the Georgian Terrace Hotel, he had a room called Denny McLean's Gaffers. You know, he went to prison three or four thousand times after his baseball career. Yeah. yeah. So he, we finished the week, and it was Tony Trishka, Kenny Kozak, all these master mandolin and bluegrass cats. And Tony Trishka's Bela Flex uh, influence. Teacher. Kenny Kozak yeah. played with Jerry Garcia on Broadway. Yeah. yeah, and so we're playing at this place, and he pays us in roast beef. <laughs> and so we have 400 pounds of roast beef. Hey, that's a, that's, it's we rare can, that people get paid in roast beef. I've never been. Thin sliced, I hope. <laughs> So, those days are gone. <laughs> but but well, uh, 688 was on Spring Street, and that was mostly the punk club in the 80s. And they brought in everybody, you know, every major. My favorite was the Go-Go's. They were unbelievable. They, they thought time was a magazine. I mean, it was so bad, I loved it. <laughs> I, paid, I paid money to hear it. That's what I want to do is become the Go-Go's, where, you know, you've all, you win. <laughs> Just show up and do whatever you want. There you go. How about the Ramones? I saw them once. They were a little bit too loud for my taste. They hurt my elbows. They were so loud. I mean, I, I liked them because they were the absence of good. And that's what I dug about them. I like anybody who has that absence of good. Either really great or, I mean, you can't go take me to a bad band. I want to hear a bad band. You can't hear them anymore. Everybody's good or mediocre. Uh, well, you know, I guess everybody. I, I think some would define bad as not just the, uh, not maybe the playing, but the 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 level of, of sound. You know, and just just too loud. It right. Doesn't matter how good they are if they're just playing too loud. Can then, you tell me why everybody plays loud sorry, now? What I couldn't hear you. Maybe right. because so many people are talking. That's why. <laughs> I can't. I can't take it, man. They I anticipate mean, a chatty audience, so they just blast them out. I mean, it's great to get loud occasionally, but just to. Do it all night. I really, I don't under. I mean, I like subtlety. Those, it's gone. Mm. You know. Well, it's just hard to find. <laughs> it's out there. there. It's out there. I mean, you introduced us. To, uh, you you introduced me uh, to a band, Lake Street Dive. And, no, they're unbelievable. But yeah. they've got they've got what you just said. Yeah, they have it. They have. It. Have you heard the Queeby Sisters? I was just gonna no. say from Austin, Texas. Ooh. I found them because of you. They are smoking, man. That's, and the Campbell Brothers are my favorite group. Yeah, I, I haven't heard them in... They don't travel much. Well, Blind Willie, though. 
You played on a bill with We're them? We're playing again in six weeks with Dante Harmon. Do you oh. know Dante Harmon? No. He's the best pedal steel player there is. He's the master. Where will that be? And Von Willie Festival in Thompson, Georgia. Oh, okay. This year's version. May 7th, yeah. That is a great little yeah. festival. Buckwheat Zotico is out there. Ronnie Earl. I mean, they got great people. Ronnie Earl, who has not played the South much lately. In 15 years. I'm from Boston. I know all yeah, about Ronnie Earl. Ronnie Earl can play, Rhino. man. I do, too. I Didn't really Bruce Katz used to play with him way back in the day? Yeah, 100 years ago, yeah. Yeah. And then there's other bands, like you've got uh, the Wood Brothers. Uh, you know, Oliver's a great example of, of an elegant player. He gave up his quarterback chances with the Colts right before Peyton Manning. He was a quarterback, and where'd he go Manning to college? Came in. <laughs> no, I'm what are you oh man, come on now! I was all about it. I was I'm all pulling a set. You're, I was in. Th this is the out of Inside Out. Yeah. I was all in. This is the out. Of inside <laughs> out. Speaking of out, uh, what was the deal with uh, Jimi Hendrix when uh, he played over in um, the Piedmont Park? He never played Piedmont Park. He didn't? He, was played, that? There's a, he played the Atlanta Pop Festival. Yeah, that was the, it. Why did I think that was in Piedmont Park? No, it was, you know, 400, 500,000 people there. And uh, he came in. Oh, that was a And Dick Woolley was on a blanket, the vice president of Capricorn. He landed his helicopter. Hendricks did. Back then, who knew how to fly a helicopter? And Dick Woolley almost got crushed. And there was one motel within 30 miles of there. It was an old Holiday Inn. So Hendricks would fly back and forth in that terrifying helicopter. <laughs> and uh, we went home once, I think. But the traffic, I, I can't even exaggerate it. It was just 15, 20 miles in every direction. Cars just parked. Just get I mean, out and days. walk. Mm -hmm. Just get out and walk. Yeah, it was. They say it's the biggest still of all time. Mm. Is, that, is that right? I don't know. But it was, I mean, it was so insane, man. What a great festival, though. I mean, for Fourteen bucks, I think. Wow. He might be thinking Piedmont Park because Hampton Grease Band played Piedmont Park with the Grateful Dead and the Allman Brothers and who else? a bunch of other bands, right? I got a great story. <laughs> the Grateful Dead played there nice. July 4th. Was it 70 or 71? And someone gave a cop a drug and he took off all his clothes and had his hat on. And he drove around with, a, I mean, rode Brilliant on a horse, horse naked. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And I think he was a rent-a-cop from somewhere. And everybody was, I thought people were going to die from laughing. And he was just smiling <laughs> and waving and rode for 20 minutes. And, oh, you're not going to see that anymore. We need that. Oh, that was beautiful. But in the park, you know, the Allman Brothers played seven or eight times. And there was a... I saw the poster. It had Jackie Wilson, the Coasters, the Allman Brothers, ourselves, and Boss Gags, and on and on. Yeah. I don't remember any of it. But. Certainly, uh, music festivals uh, have changed quite a bit since that. Yeah. Well, there just used to be an air of joy to them. You know, now it's corporate packaging, and just, you know, this some are great. Some mm -hmm. are still great. But, boy, you I mean, not the ones we talk about, but the other ones where, you know, the rule by soft drinks, you know, come to smoke and drink. And that's that's a soda pop fest. Yes, yeah, soda pop fest. What's but a good uh, recent festival experience you've had? Either as a player always or... Magfest has been great for twenty years. It's just, I mean, that's where I first met Vassar fifteen years ago, and uh, that's always... at the Spirit of the Swanee in uh, Live Oak, Florida, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. just over the border. And that where did I play in the? Uh, the Jam Cruise is wonderful. Me and Seth go on it every year. And, uh, uh, Colonel Holt's Court on, on Jam Cruise. I've got to do two of those. 
we have a blast, man. And uh, you know, I was trying to tell Rob about the one of the my one of my highlight shows of my life uh, was that Jam Cruise with you know what I'm talking about George Porter, uh-huh. and John Grant Fishman, Green, John Grant Fishman, Green, Fishman, yeah, and it was, was the circle like this. So it was the jam room, and it was a and it was like playing in the round because the band was in the center. You could see him from all around, you know, all full circle. That's the best but set I've was, ever played in my life. Or wow, everybody was agreed it was a bad. We went to that ninth gear and none of us ever gone there again. I mean, it, I, Magic. It was lifting. Mm-hmm. That room was about to lift. Talk, that, talk that was, about that was real jam, though. Can was, you talk about that when you get to that level? Like Bill Walton calls it an ex-chemistry, and he would compare basketball playing. Same you know, thing. The, you were in the zone, and then we hit another zone, and nobody was doing anything. It was just, it, it took. It Jeff Coffin there as well that year. Jeff Coffin and Carl Denson. Yeah, we're playing. He's with the Rolling Stones now. That's I'm right. so happy for him. Yeah. But does it become like ESP almost at some point? Yeah, yeah you would hope it. You would and hope it's it. basketball. Like, oh, so I would say it's like a basketball player uh, where you know, like Michael Jordan, is, everything's just slow motion for yeah. him. It, look, it happens instantly, but right. Yeah, slow motion. Uh, he, uh, he, he's what a what a musician he is, man. What a magician. You know, it's all the same to me. Baseball, basketball, classically. You capture the moment or you don't. We're working you on know? a show for the in the future that where we're gonna bring in a musician. Maybe maybe it'd be maybe you come back and do this, but I wanna pair up a musician with a basketball player cool. and and dissect the to basketball me it's, playing. It's the same music. thing. Exactly. It's all the same. And the, yeah. you capture the moment, you you know, you wait for the moment. If you miss the moment, you're frustrated. Muscle memory. Total muscle memory in, in golf. There's fifteen hundred swings, and your muscle memory is set. And that's what's wrong with Tiger Wood. He learned at three years old. And they come and try to change his thing at thirty years old. You're gonna break every limb. And you can't do it. What's the uh, what's your fact? You're you're a uh, you're a, you were a, one of the best golfers in uh, in Atlanta for a time, something like that. Back when I was fourteen, I wasn't maybe not the best, but I was playing well. And now I, I don't have number, an ego number, about He was it. actually number seven, and he, I think you were number mm-hmm. 7.5 or no, 7.43. 7.43 of the state of Georgia. But uh, no, I would never, uh, I don't have, uh, I played well for my age. Yeah. Ain't no egos in the sand trap. Mm-hmm. No, I got no ego about it. I'm Like I say, I'm not humble. Enough. What is it? I'm not good enough to be humble. Let me tell you something, Trump. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love him because he's a pro wrestler, but he just—I don't think his mother ever whipped him or anything. You know, he just yeah, shameless. Didn't, he didn't—he didn't learn any lessons. It was amazing. I mean, it's just like a four-year-old he's going still, crazy. Let me tell you something. I've got a toddler, and there's not much difference. Well, your are, toddler has some class. Yeah, well, he eats yeah. with a fork. You know, he, he, he eats and he a knife. Spit. Yeah, and a knife. But and no, he's, I mean, he's kind and considerate to others. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm talking about the temper tantrum. But they, yeah. they, they, I, I think the same thing. Seth's son would be less destructive to our international relationships. I think. Yeah. I really do. I don't think him and Putin will get along too well. With him. He's yeah. going to really put it to him. Going to be a certain sort of waving contest. It's funny. Well, you know, little hands waving at each other. <laughs> Can I, should I give him my gifts? Uh, yeah, 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 absolutely. <coughs> yeah. Some little gifts. <coughs> Speaking of <laughs> little hands and little gifts. <coughs> is it easier for you to grab the water or me? I got you. Okay. This is a, a I'm really into wow. cassettes. And that, actually, my wife's right over there. And, and one of the agreements when we moved in was that uh, I would go through my collection and give stuff away rather than just throw it away. So I've been listening to that a bunch and that. You oh may have that. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Thank you. That's the way love is. Yeah, call on me, man. 
you know what? I have no way to play this. Just, just hang well, on. Well, that's all right. We've Keep got a sponsor. Uh, Sony is our sponsor. and We've got all the leftover Walkmen from 1987. They're the yellow ones with the black ceiling on it. So, uh, oh. <laughs> I know I know, y'all have been sponsored by Ship Moving Company, too. That's okay. a old, old, old Ashland City Highway where they can move your furniture, which is fine furniture. And you call them at 796 852 7341. What's that number? 784 561 9542. Because they've been in business <laughs> since 1954. They also own a bouffant and a salon. If your hair breaking out, you bald headed, or you got dinner, you give them a call. What's that number? Six nine one. The land is fertile. It's filled with lime. We wish you would come there. Spend some time. Yes, we wish you would come to Halifax. Okay, Seth, we know about intros. But what would Colonel say the opposite of an intro is? The outro. And this is our outro. Thank you so much for listening. We do appreciate it. We appreciate you. And if you've listened this far, email us at insideoutwtns at gmail.com and let us know what you liked, what you didn't like, or just let us know, hey, I want a prize. And we'll surprise you with a surprise from England. Or tweet us at Inside, at inside Out at, at, at damn Inside it, Out WTNS. Anything social media is Inside Out WTNS. Don't, you can tweet, you can cunt, you can run, you can front. I don't oh. care. What? How do you do that? <laughs> is that a new, is that a new thing? Is that like a Snapchat outgrowth? That's an outtake. Snap a chat. That's an outtake. Anyways, thank you so much for listening. And we thank you for listening. And we're going to keep on bringing more shows. And we're going to keep on on thanking you. And give us feedback. And don't be afraid to be mean, because you know what I say? That's the only way we're going to learn. You got to criticize us. Don't be nice all the time. You know, there's two sides to communication and friendship. If I call you, you can call me. If I email you, you could email me.
of desperation have you seen? This is our first performance with the Prince of Strangeness, so 